0: Bible, Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible there might be one in the seat uh, underneath the seat in front of you. You can grab that. I preach out of the New King James Version. Um, it's been a preference of mine for since I've been called in the ministry. I did a lot of work uh, through the MacArthur Study Bible and uh, beginning and I memorized a lot of scriptures and uh, you just can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know what I mean? So I preach from that. I hope if, you, uh, if you're buying a Bible or you want to get a Bible and want to know which translation I uh, preach from and study from, it is from the New King James Version. There are other incredibly well uh, translation, uh, incredibly good translations out there as well. If you're considering buying a Bible, come run it by me. I'll let you know when I think about the translation, and uh, we can talk about that personally more as well. Um, but as we uh, dive back into our series of Hebrews, Hebrews we started before Thanksgiving, we put it on pause, took a little bit of a break Um, throughout Thanksgiving and throughout uh, Christmas and this morning we're diving back in but don't panic we're going to do a whole sermon on review. So this morning you're not going to hear anything new from me that I haven't preached before but I want you at the end of this to realize uh, maybe something you did not really retain uh, that you might have thought you heard or maybe you didn't even realize you missed it. And so it's important uh, as well if you're looking for ways to deepen your walk with Christ, is to when you hear a sermon or you hear a message from God, to take notes if possible. Um, you can jot those down and go back and look at them later. Um, I'm also learning how to upload some podcasts and, for, uh, and YouTube videos of our services. And so this week, as I was going back and listening to some of them, I thought, wow. I didn't even know I preached that, and so I, uh, it's a great reminder if we have a podcast. We also have some YouTube videos. We did not do that just because I wanted to be a TV preacher. We did that so that we can help you throughout the week go back and listen to God's Word, study God's Word. And many times I may give you a scripture or mention a scripture and you don't know where it is. It's a great way to go back and uh, figure that out because honestly... If you're only listening to me for 30 or 35 minutes on a Sunday morning, you're not saturating your mind enough with God's Word. We are to meditate on it. We are to think about it. We are to put it to work in our life. Because what you learn here on Sunday... You need to go to work with on Monday, right? And you need to go into your marriage and with your parenting with God's Word. And so that's why it's important. That's why I preach God's Word. That's why I love to stand behind a pulpit. It's not what I say. It's what God's Word says. And I want you to see that. I want you to realize that. And so as we dig back into Hebrews, if you would uh, want to take it a little deeper and to understand it more, uh, that's a couple of ways you can do that. We call this series Greater because no matter what you put next to Jesus, he is greater. He is greater than anything you can find in this world. Anything this world can offer you throughout religion, throughout way of life, throughout your righteousness that you might could find as a good person, Jesus is greater. And let me tell you, in my personal life, I have found to be, I have found that to be true. Jesus is greater than anything I have pursued in this point to my life. And I know anything in the future I'm going to pursue, Christ and Jesus is greater. And the book of Hebrews is one of the greatest books of the Bible. Uh, We described it as it begins like an essay. It continues like a sermon. And it closes like a letter. It has all the elements of deep theological truths. It has some great exhortation where it flat out calls you out on the carpet. It has a great personal side of it where it really speaks to your heart personally. And it's a very fascinating and a very unique book uh, because of the many times ups and downs in it. Uh, many times it's like walking on ice roads. I got to go to uh, with my family to Gatlinburg and uh, you realize that you uh, see the ice on the road and you're walking, you think you got it pretty well figured out and your feet begins to shuffle and all of a sudden... You slap on your back. You know, you just fall to the ground. And I may or may not have fallen. All right? There is no video evidence of that, thank God, or no seismic quiver that was registered while we were on on vacation. But Hebrews is like that. You think you got it figured out? Then theologically, something comes along and sweeps you off your feet. And God's Word is like that. It's challenging. It's, It's difficult sometimes. It is something to push you in your faith. The Bible is a Bible not to be explained, but to be believed. There are things that the Bible tells us we have to trust by faith. We have to believe them because of what God has said, and that's fine. We don't have all the answers. We don't need all the answers. We can trust in the God who has all the answers. That's the point of walking through this. And so if someone says they have the whole book of Hebrews figured out, just know, as we say in the South, they're cornbreads gooey in the middle, all right? That's what that means. Uh... Listen, you're not going to figure it out. I'm not going to figure it all out. I'm going to give you some things that I say, maybe that I believe, and maybe you don't believe that way. But in the core value of all these things, I think we can work these out and get some great biblical truths that we can all agree on. And the things that we all agree on are more than enough to study and to understand these things about God. And as we study this book, one thing is clear. Wherever you are in your understanding with God, in your walk with God, or in your faith, the challenge is to move forward, to never give up, to never throw in the towel, to never go backwards. Keep moving forward, wherever you are. If you're beginning, or you've been a Christian a long time, or you're a Christian heading into heaven, wherever you are, keep moving forward. Keep growing in your walk with Christ. Uh, Hebrews is also unique in that it doesn't identify an earthly writer that all the other books in the new testament we know the writer but this one we don't know for sure there are some guesses that scholars make some say it's paul some say it was apollos some say it was luke some say mark some say barnabas uh, my personal opinion and everyone else could be wrong was apollos right i've told you that uh, i think he would have the style the intellect I think he would have the sufficient knowledge of the Greek language. Um, I'm not so much sold on Paul because of the style and the personality of the letter. And then also the majority of the Greek language in this letter is not found throughout the rest of Paul's writing. So um, either way, one thing's certain. This is a book that was inspired by God. We may not know the earthly writer, but we know God was the author. He has certainly inspired this book. It is certainly inerrant. It is certainly part of our canon of scriptures. And when you read through the book of Hebrews, your heart will be moved because the writer may have been unknown, but the author is certainly God. It promotes and talks about Jesus Christ. It gives us a firm foundation of our salvation. And as Christians, we must uh, realize as we read this, it will encourage and exhort our hearts. And also as Christians, we must realize throughout the book of Hebrews, you realize it is an extreme time of persecution. And as Christians, not everything is going to be sunshine and roses. If you've lived any amount of time in life, you realize that you're going to have struggles in your life just because you're a Christian or just because you come to Jesus Christ and you have believed in him. You're still going to have struggles in your life. You are still going to have persecutions and trials. Sometimes your finances, sorry to mention that after Christmas, sometimes your finances are not going to be all that great. Sometimes your marriage and your relationships are not going to be all that great. Sometimes you're going to have someone say you have a health issue, and sometimes you're going to face trials or persecution. Sometimes someone's going to do you wrong and hurt you that is close to you and and betray you. And sometimes Christians have children who have problems and issues. It's part of the walk with Christ. But Hebrews exhorts us. When when tough times come and times of struggles, it is not time for us to turn away from Christ, but to turn towards Christ. It's not time to take a step backwards. It's a time to step forward. It's a time to press on, to, to strive, to To carry on with what you know to be true. So in your past and in your presence and in your future, Jesus is greater than anything you could pursue at that moment or in the future or in the past. And we may not see it immediately, but one day Christ is going to conquer this world. And He is going to come and His kingdom will be fully established. And when you get over to Revelation, you realize that Jesus wins. And because he wins, we can have faith and trust in him. That if we keep striving and we keep moving forward, that one day in our trust and faith in God, regardless of our circumstances, we will have victory. And that victory will come through Jesus Christ and the ways of the world and the temptations of the world is going to try to pull you away. And as it pulls you away and you see others turning their back on God and others seem like they're prospering in in bad business principles and you see others prospering in different relationships and you think in your own life, maybe I should go that way. The writer of Hebrews says, no, don't do it because Jesus is greater than all of that. And he will come through for you and it will happen and it will. That's the best thing for your life. And historically, we know these Hebrews here uh, was a part of time where they were Christians and they were Jewish Christians. They were facing severe opposition, severe persecution, even some martyrdom. And they were on the point of breaking Many times we'll hear the writer say, you are suffering and you had persecutions and you've had trials and they were scared and they were disillusioned and they, they thought it would be easy. And so now this writer is trying to push them a little bit forward. And you see, as he he, he addresses this book to the Jewish believers, he's saying, don't go back You see the others turning away, but don't turn away. Move forward. Hold strong in your faith. And before we move on and dive into chapters one through five, just as a review, can I pause for a moment and ask you a question? How are you with your walk with the Lord this morning? How are you in your walk through your struggles this morning? Are you ready to throw in the towel? Are you tempted to turn back? Are you tempted to step away from the Lord? The writer of Hebrews is encouraging and exhorting you. He's exhorting me. Keep the faith. Keep moving forward. Whatever temptation you see in this world that's pulling you away from God, it's not worth it. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end of it leads to death. That's the temptation to go that way. But Jesus and his will for your life is not always the easy way, but it is the best way for your life. It is a way that will take you through God's will for your life. And when you come out into God's kingdom, you will be grateful and thankful because Jesus is greater than anything you could pursue in this life. And for you and for me, that's the question. Of where are we at in our walk with the Lord? And we need to take one more step closer. So we covered first five chapters in our study so far. Actually, it took us eight weeks to do it, but we got there. And so this morning, I'm going to summarize all five chapters for you. So for the next hour and 20 minutes, I'm going to share with you, just teasing, all right? The next chapter one, I want to begin there and begin where everything in life begins. Everything in life begins with God. As Genesis 1-1 says it, we come to Hebrews 1-1 and John 1-1. We all get to this point. It all begins with God. So I want to read verses 1-4 through and dig into chapter 1. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, and he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So it begins with God. God, who is the creator, has chosen to reveal himself. Isn't that good news? God did just not create us and separated himself from us and said he never wanted to hear from us or see us again. No, God created us and he chose to reveal himself through us. He reveals himself through the heavens. He revealed himself through the nation of Israel. He revealed himself through the law. He revealed himself through all those things. But the greatest revelation of God to man was through who? His son, Jesus Christ. That's why when Jesus came, he told him, he said, if you want to see the father, you have seen him through me. I and the father are one. Jesus Christ, as we learn in Hebrews chapter one, is of the same substance of God. That Jesus Christ has all the credentials and has all the right to be greater than any other prophet, any other angel, any other source of religion. He makes it abundantly clear by the end of chapter 1 that Jesus is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And for you and for me, that's where it all begins. If we want to know God, we must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what I mean by a relationship with Jesus Christ is submitting to who he is and what he's done and believing in Jesus Christ. He is the qualified mediator between God and man. We were created by God and we yearn to have a relationship with God. And the writer of Hebrews is saying the only way that's going to be fulfilled in your life is through Jesus Christ. You're not going to find another way. You're not going to find peace with God. You're not going to find forgiveness of sins. You're not going to find for the hope of eternal life. There's no other way. And what a sad, sad way to live your life, to go out through life, to find out how to find forgiveness of sin, how to have peace with God and trying to do it through religion. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. If you say I'm a Baptist and I'm going to heaven, that's not how you know God. You can be a Baptist and not know God. You can be a a Methodist or you can be a Presbyterian or you can have any sort of religion you want and not know God. It is not through religion. It's not through being a good person. There's no way in your life you could ever do enough good things to outweigh your sins and be made right with God. It's impossible. And so you can't come to know God through being a good person. You can't come to know God just by being an American. I talk to people all the time. Well, I was born in America. We're all Christians. I mean, don't you see our TV shows when someone gets hurt? We all pray. Everyone all of a sudden believes in prayer, right? It's like everyone just, we're all Christians. No, Hebrews is making it clear to be a Christian, to be to know, G, to know God comes through Jesus Christ. And if you walk away from Jesus Christ, guess what? You walk away from the only chance you have to be made right with God. That's what he makes clear in chapter 1. let me tell you, for us as a church and for me as a preacher, that's the news that I'm going to preach until the day that I die. Because it's not hope in me. It's not hope in this church. It's not hope in the Baptist religion. It's hope in Jesus Christ. And if you walk away from Him, we have nothing else to offer you. Nothing else. And, And the good news is that God wants you to know Him. Isn't that good news? He didn't take Jesus Christ and hide Him or put Him to the side. He puts Him out for all of us and He says, For God so loved the world... Every single one of us has this opportunity and God will knock on the door of your life and he will come to you to a point to where you know Jesus Christ and you can uh, can receive him into your life. And my question to you throughout chapter one is, have you done that? Have you got to a point in your life where you've received Jesus Christ, where you've believed in him because that's how you have a relationship with God. That's first and foremost. Chapter two opens up. And he begins with our first uh, one of our five warnings. Hebrews is built around five serious warnings or serious uh, warning passages. And they are meant to get your attention. You ever read a warning that's kind of just too easy and you think, well, it can't be that bad, right? Right. Like we were was going through the, the woods and the, the mountains up there, they have signs and it would say, be careful with the bears, you know, and people were just kind of looking at them like that. But if they would put on there, the bears will rip your arms off, right? That would be a little more, a little more convincing, right? So, so what the writer Hebrews is telling them, it shocks them and it's meant to wake you up. It's meant to put a little fear in you. So when we read These five warnings, that's going to put a little fear in you. And even if you've been a Christian for a a certain amount of time, and even by the time we get to the the end of the book of Hebrews, these these warning passages are meant to shake you up a little bit. And they're stern warnings about faith. Stern warnings about salvation. Stern warnings about moving away from God and turning your back on the Lord. And stern warnings. He warns us five times. Five times. So, first one, chapter 2. I want to read the verses one one through four. I want you to get the first warning. Hebrews chapter two, verses one through four. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the world for the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts in the, of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. What's the phrase? Lest we drift away. That's the warning. Listen, he says, Take heed that you don't neglect Jesus Christ and your relationship with him because you will begin to drift away. The the word is interesting in the Greek. It's it's the ideal of a ship drifting without control. Like literally, the current is moving the ship without any control of the the pilot or any, any control of the captain. And that's the warning. He says this, beware, wake up. If you're just drifting through this life, you're going to drift and it's not going to end up well for you. Ha- have you ever drifted in a boat before? I have. I was telling the early services and it just popped in my mind this morning. So I was, I was telling about the first time that I wanted to buy a boat. And uh, I thought so much when I was in, uh, graduating from high school and, uh, and going into college. Actually, I might have already started college. But I wanted to buy a boat. Well, I, I wanted a boat, but I had no money. And you know what? Not much has changed in 40 years, by the way. I I wanted a boat, but I don't have any money. But anyhow, I I had a four-wheeler, though, that my mom and dad had given me. And so I told my dad, I said, well, there's a buy here, pay here place over off University Boulevard. And they said they will take any type of trade, anything you could push, pull, or put in there. I said, I'm going to take my four-wheeler over there, and I'm going to see if they have a boat that I can trade for my four-wheeler. Sure enough, I pulled up over there and there it was. There was this uh, light yellow-colored boat sitting there. I thought that the dream was coming true, you know. I went in there and sure enough, they said it's a great boat. It runs so good. And they told me all these things. I got my four-wheeler out and I started it up and they traded me straight across. No money at all. I, I gave them my four-wheeler, they gave me the boat. I go home, I tell my mom and dad, it's like, all right, maiden voyage, we're gonna go out in my new boat. It's so exciting. Like we went out to the Creek there, and we're cruising along, and it started right up. I was like, look, it runs perfect. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. And we go down the, t- out the, little, uh, the little creek there, and my mom's going, oh, look at the alligator, and look at this, and look at that. And we're just cruising along. All of a sudden, there's I, I a little bend in the creek there, and I turn left, and the boat doesn't go left. I turn right, and the boat doesn't go right. The, the steering cable had rusted in two. And the steering cable became severed. And so now I had no control of the boat. And I couldn't get the throttle to throttle back because it had rusted so bad it was stuck going straight forward. So there we were heading straight into the shore. And before long, we were drifting through the current. And where the alligators and the snakes and guess where? That's where we were. We were right up in the midst of all of them. And so I had to limp it back home by getting in the back and putting my arm over the back of that thing and pulling it back and forth as we drifted on through the, through the canal. But, but I say that to say that's the way some Christians start going through life. You ask yourself, how does King David in the Old Testament end up in adultery and doing the things that he did? He began to drift. One night when kings go out to war, he stayed home. And his eyes begin to wander. That's all it takes. One day you're supposed to be in church serving the Lord and you don't do that. One day you're supposed to read your Bible and one day turns to two days and two days turns to a week. A week turns to a month and a month turns to a year. And next thing you know, you are doing things in your family and doing things in your life you would have never dreamed of. You know how it starts? Just by drifting. You don't have any control and you're letting the world pull you its own way. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, wake up. Wake up because you shouldn't be lukewarm. Wake up because your heart should burn hot for the things of God. And this morning, we're in serious danger if our walk with the Lord is lukewarm. And a question for you and for me is how hot is our heart for the things of God in our life? When you came here this morning, how hot was your heart to come worship God? When you were singing this morning, how hot was your heart to sing the praises of God? When you got to call on God in prayer... How hot was your heart to know you can go before his throne? And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, if you're just going through the motions, beware, caution, you are drifting. That is the first warning. Chapter 3 brings us a second warning, back-to-back warnings. You ever had your mom warn you by your name, and then the second time she warned you by your full name, right? You know it's progressing, right? Well, the first one was kind of like your name, the second one's like your full name. He goes back to back in chapter 2 and chapter 3 with warnings. Uh, chapter 3, verse 12. I want to read verses 12 uh, down through uh, 12, 13, 14, and 15. So it says this in Hebrews chapter 3, our second warning, verse 12 Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While as it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So second warning is a warning of an evil heart of unbelief. Think about this. It's where we get our word apostate from. Have you ever heard people say, well I, I, well, I would go to church or I'd be a Christian, but for the hypocrites, right? The, the apostates, those who, who say they believe in God, but yet they have an evil heart. They don't walk with the Lord. And we define that as an individual who knows the truth, then willfully rejects the truth and turns back to, away from the truth. So the first warning is just drifting The second warning is actually knowing you're drifting and knowing you're moving away from God. But then as he calls out to us and his voice begins to work in our hearts and lives, we willfully reject it. The Bible talks about this in the Old Testament as they stiffen their necks. My grandpa used to uh, herd cattle and when he would go to put them up in a trailer, they would be docile until they got to the back of the trailer. And guess what they would do? They would stiffen their neck and they would just freeze. Like, you are not making me go in this trailer. That's exactly the word here, is that you stiffen up and you say, God, I know you want me to do it, but I'm stiffening myself and I am not doing it because I am willfully rejecting something that I know to be wrong in my life. And the key point is willfully here. This is where we talk about theology in Hebrews. Willfully means that this is not God's problem. Whose problem is this? Is this not God's problem? makes you do this this is man willfully rejecting the will of God you know in God's sovereignty he's given us a volitional will when we read the Bible we begin with Genesis we realize that Adam has a volitional will if Adam did not have a volitional will he could not have rejected God in a way that he did without God being responsible for sin or the fall but we certainly know that God is not, create, did not create evil, nor is he uh, responsible for evil. God allowed the fall, but he did not cause the fall. The fall came through Adam's willful rejection of God. That's what it is. And so the blame is not on God. The blame is on who? The choice of the apostate. A willful choice to reject the truth of God that you know to be true. You know, a lot of times people question what's going to happen to people who never hear the gospel, you ever heard people say that? And listen, this year I really want to concentrate on being more mission-minded and getting the gospel to people at the ends of the earth. Uh, You realize there's still people that are alive in this world that's never heard the gospel in their own language? There are people who literally don't have a copy of one single gospel in their language yet. I mean, there are people who have never heard the gospel. It's a great question. But for us as Christians, a, a more relevant question in America is, what about those people who know the gospel, who hear it every week in church, who hear it every day in their family or every, every, every month in their life, and yet they willfully reject it? What happens to those people? Well, the writer of Hebrews is saying, beware, check your heart, because far be it you be one of those who willfully reject and walk away from God. That's the exhortation. Do not harden your hearts. Do not, when God convicts us, don't replace the voice of God in your life with the voice of the world, or more importantly, the voice of yourself. Most people walk away from God because they have their own selfish desires. It's not what God wants, it's what I want. And when you get to that point, you realize there is a serious warning to be heeded. And a writer of Hebrews heeds that, uh, that warning. He's saying, don't find yourself in this condition. But then he gives us a reprieve in chapter 4 and chapter 5. If you find yourself in this, in this temptation, which we all will, trust me, there's going to be times in your life where the temptations look so real and so great that you're willing to walk that way. But the writer of Hebrews is saying it's not a hopeless cause. What we need to do is what chapters 4 and chapter 5 tells us. And he gives us the solution to the first two warnings. In chapter 4, I want to read verses 12 through 16. I want to read chapter 5 and we'll get to verse 5 and 6 in that one. So chapter 4 verses 12 through 16 says this. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Uh, Skip down to verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Chapter 5, verses 5 and 6 says this, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And as he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So what we realize here is when we come to these temptations, we come to these conditions in our spiritual life. Is there a possibility to overcome this? The answers are resounding yes. The writer of Hebrews is saying this can happen and two important things you can do in your life. Two tools that God gives us and he gives us here in the book of Hebrews. One is the word of God. Now, I say that, and I know for us as Christians, and especially for us in America, we discount the Word of God in our life so much because it's available so much to us, right? Like, we got got copies of the Bible everywhere in our home. We got them on our phones. We have them on our iPads. But yet, how many of us really dig into God's Word? How many of us really systematically read it or systematically study it and submit ourselves to it Because what the Bible says, or what he's saying here is, to overcome this, you do that with the Word of God. It is powerful. It is something that will sever even the feelings of your heart and life. For example, there are things that you're going to feel is right, but the Word of God is going to tell you that's not the way it should be done. Because the Word of God is going to help you understand the difference between that. For example, like a relationship. You might feel like you love someone and you want to get married to them and then you want to start having a relationship with them before you're married. The Bible says, no, that's not the way to do it. And, and you need to go to God's word for your relationships and you need to go to God's word for your anger and God's word for your, your redemption or how you, get, uh, how you repay someone. Because your feelings are, hey, I'm angry. I want to settle this myself. But the Word of God says no, for it is God who will pay back. He's the recompense, right? So we got to submit to His authority and submit to the Word of God in our life. It's what keeps us on track. And it's powerful. Let me tell you, in the midst of my life to when I'm down at the lowest, God's Word is the strongest. Because that's what we love to teach our children here at church. We want God's Word in their heart. And we want it in their heart because we know eventually as they get older, it's going to come out. And when, they, when it comes out in their lives and they're tempted by the things of the world and things they see in school and they're tempted to walk away from God and not believe in God, the word of God will ring true in their heart. And it's powerful and it will help you with your feelings. It will help you with how you desire those things. And the question is, how do we read the Bible? Do you read the Bible? Do you study the Bible? Do you memorize the Bible? Do you submit to the Bible? I shared this quote with you. That a pastor shared with me and I'll never forget it because it's a powerful, powerful uh, verse. He, he actually had this pastor that he had listened to him preach a sermon and he asked him to sign his Bible. And uh, so, you know, he, he walked out there and he said, will you sign my Bible? And the pastor said, sure. And so he signed his Bible but below his name he put a quote and he put it in, red, he put it in big letters. He said, sin will keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. And let me tell you, that is a true statement. In your life, when you feel like you're wandering away from God, and you feel like you're beginning to drift, and you feel like you're beginning to have a heart un- of unbelief, get into God's Word. Get into it as fast as you can. Get into it on a podcast, or on a, on a, on a reading plan, or get into it from digging into word studies, whatever you got to do, even devotions. Do whatever you can to flood your mind and meditate on God's word because that's a powerful thing that will transform your heart and your life and will keep you from the temptations of giving in and throwing in the towel and becoming an evil heart of unbelief. Get into God's word. Secondly, he gives us the the tool of the altar of Jesus Christ. And this is where it really is good. Jesus Christ is our high priest. And we read in chapter 5, he wasn't just the high priest for that time. Who was he, a high priest? From the order of Melchizedek, from eternity past to eternity future, Jesus Christ stands in in the rightful place as our high priest. And and as we read in Hebrews here, it tells us that he's not a high priest that can't sympathize with our weaknesses. He walked in our shoes. He, He was tempted just like you and me he can relate to us have you ever felt like you would go to someone or talk to them but they couldn't relate to you you can't say that about jesus 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 took the temptations he took all the pain he took all the sorrow of this life he took the very punishment of hell from god for you and for me he took a lot and he walked through that and because he went through that it says now we have the opportunity to be able to go to him as a high priest who knows our struggles and he knows our struggles. And when we run to Jesus Christ and we get in his presence, like verse 16 says in chapter 4, he says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to, to help in the time of need. That's a, your number one temptation when you're ready to have, uh, begin to drift in life and you begin to be, develop an evil heart is to walk away from Jesus. That's the temptation. The temptation is, why should I worship God? Why should I go to church? Why should I serve the Lord? Why should I read my Bible? And you want to get away as far as from God as you can. We remember, we went through the whole study uh, of Jonah. Jonah was running from God. He didn't want nothing to do with it. He wanted to be as far away from God as possible. And listen, in your life, if you're trying to get away as far from God as you can, there might be a great warning sign for you. But on, on, the, on the flip side of that... As a Christian, when you feel that tug, when you know you've done wrong, when the word of God or the voice of God, like he says, calls to you, instead of hardening, hardening your heart, the Bible says we need to run to Jesus. That's the solution and listen, for you and for me, we gotta boldly come to the throne of grace, and we gotta ask Him to wash our sins away, and we gotta ask Him to make us right with God again, to restore our fellowship with the Lord. And even in the midst of our biggest failures, when we go to Jesus Christ, what do we find? Do we find rejection? Do we find a pushing away? Do we find a judgmental attitude? No. What does it say? You find grace. You find mercy. Let me tell you, in my life, the lowest times of my life when I failed God the most, others may have rejected me. Even myself had thought, how could someone love me? But when I went to the altar of Jesus Christ, I've never felt rejection, ever. He is there on the throne of grace, and we need to run to Jesus, not run away from Jesus. My wife asked me to come to her school and share my testimony she was asking me well what what are you going to share with my what do you think about sharing i said i want to share my favorite verse i said you know which one it is and she named about 10 of them i was like no i was like yeah i do say that a lot i have a favorite verse you know but those who've been around here for a while you know one of my favorite verses is first john 1 9 right let me tell you if you haven't memorized a verse this year or if you have a goal of memorizing verse, if you could just memorize this one verse as a Christian, this will transform your walk with God. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I know it's a new year, and I know we're all starting on this track, but let me tell you, if you're here this morning and you feel yourself as far from God and you feel like He wants nothing to do for, with you, trust me, nothing could be further from the truth. That is the world. That is the devil. That is the temptation of your flesh to not to run to Jesus. But this morning, as the writer of Hebrews and as 1 John says, we need to come to Jesus Christ. We need to confess our sins. And when we do, he, we find grace, we find mercy, and He cleanses us. Not from some, but what? All. All our unrighteousness. I stand before you today to preach a gospel to you, not because I'm perfect, but because I've been forgiven. Because I have righteousness, because God has forgiven all my unrighteousness, and the invitation is for you as well. Come to Jesus Christ, and he can cleanse all your unrighteousness, and we need to run to Jesus this morning. And listen, I don't know what you may be running from, But it's a great time to decide to start running to Jesus. Maybe you're hurting this morning, and God, in your heart, you feel like you're disappointed or God has let you down. You need to run to Jesus. You may be bitter, and you may be unforgiving. You may have something in your heart that you know is driving you away from God and other people. You know what you need to do? Run to Jesus. Maybe you're lukewarm and you realize your heart is not heart, you feel like you've dragged yourself to church, and you feel like you got to make yourself read the Bible, you feel like you got to make yourself do those things, listen, run to Jesus. Maybe you're lost, and you realize, I don't have a relationship with God. Run to Jesus. That's my invitation to you this morning. And the whole message of Hebrews is, don't do it yourself. Don't go back to the world. Wherever you are, run to Jesus. And that's my invitation to you this morning. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I come before you, Lord, and I pray for maybe somebody here this morning struggling in their marriage. Maybe they're struggling in their life, or maybe they're struggling in their thought processes, or maybe they're struggling just believing in your word and trusting in you. I pray this morning, God, that we will just run to Jesus. I pray as we consider our life, maybe someone might say, I need to know God. And I didn't know. I I joined a church. I tried to be a good person. I've done all these things, but there always has been something empty in my heart. You know what's empty in your heart? You don't have Jesus. There's nothing that can fill the void in your heart that Jesus can fill. And this morning, maybe it's the morning you just need to say, I'm believing in Jesus Christ. And I want a relationship with God. Maybe you're here this morning you realize, hey, you know what? I have walked away from the Lord. I've, I've gotten further and further away from the Lord. And I need to heed these warnings in my life. Maybe you're just the first step. Maybe you're watching movies you're not supposed to watch. Or maybe you're saying things you're not supposed to say. Or maybe you're talking to someone that would damage your marriage or your relationship. And you're saying, you know, it's just it's just the very beginning. I'm just kind of drifting. Man, don't mess around with it. Because it progresses. And it pulls you down, and before you know it, it's got, it in, it's got you in its grips. Don't mess around with it. Bring it to Jesus Christ, and don't even drift. Get away from it. Refocus your heart and your life on Jesus Christ, and run to God's Word, and run to the altar of Jesus Christ this morning. And say, Lord, fire my heart up. I want it hot. I want it to burn for you, God. I want it to, to burn for the things of God in my life. Not myself, but your will, God. Your will be done in my life. What a great morning to commit that to the Lord. Listen.